right, good morning. Great job, praise team. Thank you so much. want to welcome everybody. want to say hello to our online audience that's joining us today. Thank you for uh, coming to worship with us. You know, it's been a crazy week, hasn't it? Uh, just a wild, wild week. Um, so much confusion, right? Um, so much emotion, so much uncertainty. But it's good to be able to come together uh, in agreement, whether you're here or you're joining us online. We come together in agreement this morning, and we recognize that God is sovereign, that no matter how crazy or how confused we are, God's not. Um, He's in control. And in this series, that's been the theme of the series, not only the theme of the series, but that's what Daniel's all about is God's sovereignty. And it's been just what we have needed each and every week. It's like, it's really like God is wanting to remind us of, hey, I'm in control. You know, um, no matter what you go through in life, I'm on my throne. And so each week we've been able to recognize that. Um, So also throughout this series, you've probably picked up on this too, but what has stood out to me was Daniel's ability to thrive, not just survive, right? but to thrive in Babylon. I mean, he really thrived there. And when I speak of uh, thrive, I'm not talking about, you know, just health, wealth, and prosperity type of thing. I'm talking about flourishing according to God's standards, growing, flourishing in a very hostile and dangerous and evil and wicked place. Daniel, this man of God, was able not just to get by, but he thrived. Look, you, you might feel like, Things are out of control in this world, maybe in your life. You might look at the future over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of years, and you might fear at what is down the road. You might have anxiety or worry or things, you know, might be difficult for you right now, but the truth is that God wants his people to thrive. God wants his people to flourish no matter what our circumstance is, and look, Because he is sovereign, because God is sovereign, thriving in Babylon is possible. So wherever you're at, whatever hard time you're going through, whatever difficulty you're encountering, because God is sovereign, thriving in Babylon is possible. Now we're in Daniel 6 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Now this is the lion's den story. And uh, I remember, you know, hearing this story, reading through this story as as a kid in Sunday school and Bible school and stuff like that, but it, this is not a kid's story, right? As a matter of fact, some kids get eaten at the end of it. <laughs> if you're reading that to your kid, just skip past that part. Um, it'll be okay. But I want to read this story. It'll be a familiar story to a lot of you, but I want you to look through this lens. Look through the lens of God's sovereignty, but also Daniel's thriving. Let's look through those, those two lenses there. Verse number one. It pleased Darius, remember a new king from last week, Darius, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. Now, if you've got a K- King James Version, administrators there says presidents. Presidents, that's the term that they use. Um, with three presidents or administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Darius here, new ruler of of this area, Babylon, but also the Persian 
Medo-Persian Empire. And so he appointed uh, governors and, and presidents. And this isn't necessarily a country. It's many countries, many nations making up one empire that, that, that they had conquered. And so what Darius did was to appoint governors and presidents over these areas to keep people in check and to keep government in order. Verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So out of, look, out of three presidents, out of 120 governors, Daniel rose to the top. And King Darius here had plans to make Daniel ruler over the whole empire, right? That was his plan. Well, how would others react to this? How would the other, you know, governors and presidents react, react to this? Well, how do people, some people react in your life when things are going good? They get jealous, envious, and they, and they try to bring you down. So, verse number four. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Wow, that sounds political, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds a lot like what goes on now. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So look, they watched Daniel. They trolled him. They were waiting for him to mess up. And they couldn't find anything. And finally, these men said, verse 5, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So after running out of options to discredit Daniel for his job responsibilities and his duties there in Babylon, they remembered that Daniel served and that he worshipped the God of Israel. They knew that Daniel was loyal and devoted to his God. And so they were thinking, if there's any way we're going to trip this guy up, it has to be something to do with his God. We've got to find a way to put his God against the king. We've got to find a way to get him to choose between the two, and, and that's how we'll get him to, to mess up. So look, these, these government officials, these presidents, these governors, these senators, whatever you want to call them, they come up with an idea that um, the king needed to issue a decree. New king, right, need, needs to get hold people in check, needs to let people know that he's powerful, so they, they talked him into issuing a decree that over the next 30 days that no person could pray to God or any other person at all except to the king. You, you follow me? You were not allowed, it was a law. You were not allowed to pray to God or to anybody else except for the king. So the king bought into that. It sounded good. You know, hey, you're a new king. You need to set people straight here. You need to keep people in order. So he issued the decree now verse 10 what would daniel do when daniel learned that the decree had been published he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward jerusalem three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his god just as he as he had done before so <laughs> the government issued a decree not to pray what did daniel do went straight home and prayed he went straight home. He turned his focus to God, which is just what these guys were expecting him to do. They were watching him. They were planning on Daniel doing this. And so they sort of followed him. And look, verse 11, these men went as a group and found Daniel 
praying and asking God for help. Man, wouldn't it be good for somebody to find us praying during times of need? But that's how they found Daniel. They caught him. And what would they do? What do you think they did? Went straight to the king and told on him. Right? They, they, they told on him, hey, king, remember that, that decree that you passed? Yeah, Daniel ignored it. He, he completely ignored it. He went straight home and he prayed. Now, when the king heard this, verse 14, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So the, this is interesting here. This king, he really liked Daniel. They had sort of this love-hate relationship. And Nebuchadnezzar had a similar relationship with Daniel. But he saw Daniel as valuable to him. And so he stalled and he tried to find a way to clear him, to save Daniel. You see, because if anybody disobeyed this decree, they were to be thrown into a lion's den, right? So the king knew what would, what would happen to Daniel. And so he, he stalled. He tried to find loopholes. Also sounds very political here um, to try to keep this, this law from going into effect and taking place. And Daniel being punished. But verse 15, then these men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So these men got tired of waiting. And they went and they reminded the king that, Hey, remember this, this issue, this decree that you made? This can't be reversed. And the Medes and the Persians had this ultimate law that once a law was in place, it couldn't be changed. It couldn't be altered. Kind of like our, our Constitution. You know, really hard to, to amend that, to change that. Um, sim similar thing here. Even the nation's, the empire's top official couldn't change anything. So 16, verse 16, the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Now the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually, pay, pay attention to that phrase, rescue you. So they brought Daniel and they, they threw him down into the lion's den. Now this would have been a pit, not necessarily a cave like in the wall, like what we, we kind of picture in our minds, but this would have been down where they would have thrown Daniel into this place. And right before they threw him in, the king offered him some words of encouragement here. And, and the king held on to this hope that maybe somehow Daniel would make it. And... Um, you know, the scripture says there, if you read on, that the king was up all night. This really troubled him. He didn't eat. He didn't sleep. This, this really, really, really bothered him. Verse 19. At the first light, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually. Notice there it is again there been able to rescue you from the lion so the, the king here was just hoping to find Daniel hoping that he would still be alive he rushed there to the lion's den and look Daniel answered verse 21 a voice came from the den from the darkness of the den a voice came may the king live forever God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. So the, the king hurried there and called out to Daniel, cried out to Daniel. And in his relief, Daniel answered. He, he said, I'm okay. 
I'm, I'm fine. I'm not hurt. My God shut the mouths of the lions. Now, I've heard, uh, read some um, things that say that the lions just weren't hungry. They just left Daniel alone. That's not true. You see, they would, this was, this was capital punishment here. Um, they would purposely starve the lions so that anybody thrown in would be eaten immediately, right? So this wasn't the case. And I've also seen pictures of, you know, the lions setting down and be, sort of being friendly with Daniel, and he's sort of petting them. And that's wrong too. No, these were vicious lions. They were hungry. I, I, they probably tried to eat him, but it says the Lord shut their mouths, which tells us that their mouths were open, right? So they could, they could not eat Daniel. The Lord would not allow it. Um, verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And Daniel was lifted out of here with no scratch. Sort of like the three guys, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fire. They came out smelling like Febreze. They didn't even smell like smoke, nothing. You know, they were unharmed. Same thing here. This guy went into this lion's den, this crazy, crazy place, survived without a scratch. Now, God rescued him. God did. And this made the king very, very happy. But that happiness didn't last too long because then he realized, wait a minute, I've been duped. I've been tricked. And he started getting really, really upset. And you know what he did? He took that group, 122 congressmen, senators, governors, whatever you want to call it, 122 of them, threw them into the den along with their families, Okay, that was also Medo-Persian custom. You know, it was you just didn't get punished, but your whole family did. You, you, that's how you keep a, pl- a government in check. Okay, threw them all in there, and they were all killed immediately. Immediately, they were torn apart. Wow. Um, strange ending, crazy ending, but a glorious ending here, because remember. The king issued a decree not to pray to God. In the end of this chapter, we also end with another decree. And, and there's so much irony in this. There's a, there's a decree not to pray to God, and then there's this decree. And remember, a, a decree from the Medo-Persian Empire cannot be reversed, changed, altered in any way. Let's read this decree together. Verse 25. The king Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly may you prosper greatly i issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the god of daniel for he is the living god and he endures forever his kingdom will not be destroyed his dominion will never end he rescues he saves he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth and he has rescued daniel from the power of the lions. Look, how amazing is that? That is a decree from a pagan king issuing an, a mandatory edict that everybody in his kingdom acknowledge the one true God. Glory to God in that. that. That is so powerful. And then notice verse 28. Daniel, so Daniel prospered. 
during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Which you notice that word prospered there. That's thriving. That's thriving. Daniel, Daniel thrived in Babylon. He flourished despite all these changing circumstances. All these kings that came and go, all these kingdoms that came and, and went, Daniel flourished. So um, God wants us to thrive too. I'm going to spend the rest of my time very quickly going through some practical things that we can learn from Daniel about how we can thrive. First of all, Daniel lived a life of integrity. He lived a life of integrity. Um, you know, it's so important that we keep integrity, not just in the good times, but in the challenging times. You know, when we first met Daniel, he displayed this as a teenager. He had amazing integ integrity. And as he got older, even though these things changed in his life, even though he might have encountered some difficulty, guess what didn't change? His character. His integrity. You know, think about that for a moment. Through everything he went through, he kept his composure. He kept his character. He was, when we read back on Daniel, he was very professional in his interaction with others. He was very polite. He was, he was gracious. And look, even with those who hated him, even with his enemies, he didn't show hostility. He did not show anger. He didn't show resentment. Daniel was faultless in his character, and he was faithful in his duties. Look, integrity is so important. It's so important. You lose integrity in just one area of your life, and you've lost it over all areas of your life. It's, it's so important that you, you maintain integrity. And Daniel, in every single job that he had, even though it was for a wicked king in a wicked country, he did his job the best he could. He did it to the best of his ability, and it paid off. Look at Proverbs 22, 11. I love this verse. One who loves a pure heart, in other words, one who loves to be, to show integrity, to have integrity, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have a king for a friend. Wow, how good is that? You know, it pays off to have integrity, especially during trying times. Look, there are going to be times when you're unhappy with your life. You may be unhappy with your life right now. There, there may be times where you hate your job. You might hate your job right now. You might hate your boss, right? There may be times when you hate your spouse. Look, don't look, look at them right now. That would be really weird, all right? There will be times when things won't go your way. And look, I promise you this. I already know the answer to this. There will be times when somebody wrongs you. Man, what do you do? You know, you can't always control what happens to you, but you always can control how you react and how you respond to what happens to you. You know, John Maxwell says, talent is a gift and character is a choice. Character is a choice. It's a choice that you make. So it's you saying, I don't, I don't really like what's happening. I don't really like where my life is right now. I don't like how these people are treating me. But I'm going to choose to have integrity in each and every situation. And look, if you do that, if you do that, God will honor that. The Bible tells us whatever you do, do it as if it was for the Lord and not for men. I see that in Daniel. And it paid off for him big time. Second thing, 
Daniel sought the kingdom of God first. He sought the kingdom of God first. Even though he was in a strange kingdom, even though all these kingdoms changed and he experienced all this turnover, he sought the kingdom of God first. Now, King Darius referred to Daniel as the one who continually, remember I told you to pay attention to that phrase, continually served God despite everything that changed, despite everything that stopped and started and started and stopped, Daniel continually served God. And look, he was committed to God more than he was any other king, any other kingdom, or any other political party, folks. He was committed to God first. And when the government order was issued to, hey, you don't pray, he went and prayed. And it says there, just as he did, three times a day, every day, for all of his life. So 85 years old, uh, Daniel was in this, three times a day. You know, that's 93,000 prayers. Well, it's no wonder that he was able to thrive in Babylon, you see. He, that's how committed he was to God. 93,000 prayers to God. And he probably prayed something along these lines here, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That means, God, you're number one. You're primary. You're the king in my life. You're the Lord in my life. Nobody else. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Daniel prayed this, and he lived it. He lived it. You know, when things change for us, when we go through difficulty, or, or we're in a Babylon, so to speak, it's easy for us to remove God from his throne in our life. It, it is. And we somehow get over-focused on the craziness of the world, the hard times, that we just we seem to lose focus on God. We just do that naturally. And, and many times what happens is we lose our devotion to God, right? We start getting loose with our church involvement and attendance. We start getting loose with our Bible reading and prayer. We start getting loose with our giving. It just sort of naturally happens when we get focused on other things and God loses his priority. We've got we to gotta be like Daniel and be continually, continually faithful to him. If we do that, God's going to honor that. God's looking for people to be faithful during difficult times. He's looking for people to, to strengthen and to bless. Third thing, Daniel let God handle the hard stuff. And this would, this would help so many of us right now if we just let God handle the hard things. You know, Daniel trusted God to handle all these difficult situations in his life. He didn't try to fight back. He didn't try to escape. He didn't try to organize a massive protest, right? He knew, that, he knew that God was sovereign, and what he did was based upon that acknowledgement. He trusted God. He trusted God. He was faithful in his duties to do what he could do, but then what he couldn't do and what was out of his hands, he left in God's hands. Hey, you know, is there something that you are dealing with that is driving you crazy? I know the answer to this one, but are there people in your life that are making you miserable, <laughs> right? Are, are you being mistreated right now by someone? Is there a problem in your life that, that, that you have just stressed out over and you have tried to fix it and you cannot? It's out of your hands. Well, look, be faithful to God. Trust in him. 
and give it to him. Put it in his hands. I love this verse, Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. You see, Daniel was committed. He was all in, you know, faithful, obedient to God. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will act. He will, right? At some point, we, we trust in God to handle the things that we cannot. So many times we try to solve our own problems, and you know what happens so many times? We make our own problems worse. We do. We try to fix it, it gets broken more. You know, we try to get back at our enemies, our enemies increase. We, if we want to thrive, it's important that we maintain our integrity, that we keep God primary in our lives, and that we let him handle the hard stuff. Finally, I want to close with this. Daniel's life pointed people to God. Daniel's life pointed people to God. Now, this should blow our minds. This blew my mind. How Daniel in Babylon, wicked, wicked nation, always seemed to point, steer people to, to God. These great kings, these Histori- we can read these guys outside of Scripture. We can read about them in history books, okay? And what history will tell us is that these empires were some of the greatest empires in the world. These kings were some of the greatest kings, the most powerful kings, the most uh, strategic kings in all of the world. And somehow, one man always seemed to turn them around and get their attention on God. Now, Daniel was a light in a very, very dark place. Babylon was wicked, evil. You know, as a matter of fact, if you fast forward in your Bible to Revelation, and when God brings judgment upon all of the world, okay, uh, three words are are shouted by by God's messenger, fallen is Babylon. Babylon has come to be synonymous with the enemy of God, with the evil of this world. Babylon was an evil place for Daniel, and he was a light in a dark place. Look, God wants us to be a light, too. You might look out there and you think, well, this world's dark. Yes. Yeah. So go be a light. Be, be a light. You know, dark, uh, light's always needed where darkness is. Luke 8, 16. No, no one lights a lamp. <laughs> no no one does this. No one lights a lamp and then covers it up. Covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. Uh, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. You know how to apply this to our lives? You know what the house is? It is your life. You have the light living in you if you have the gospel of Christ. So all those you influence, the people who know you, the people who you are friends with, your coworkers, your friends on Facebook, your followers on Instagram, everybody that knows your name, that knows who you are, that's your house. Is your light shining? Is your life pointing people to God? Can, can other people who, who know you, can they see, see, your faith is evident to them. Look, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Not Joe Biden. Not Donald Trump. Jesus is the hope of the world. 
we've got to realize that, and we've got to realize that we can be in Babylon, but God is sovereign, and we might be in this predicament for a reason, and that's to be a light in the darkness. And we can choose to freak out, or we can choose to be faithful. We can trust God. And he, he doesn't want us to just get by. He wants us to trust in Him. He wants us to thrive. All we need to do, all we need to do is let Him be God. And we just be faithful to Him. And He'll honor us like He did Daniel. Now, those of you that are here, this might have been a week that you just lost your mind this week. I pray that you would just get your focus back on God. He's on the throne. He wasn't tripping out in heaven. Right? Or, or maybe you're here today and you haven't trusted in, in God at all. You don't have faith in him. You've never placed your faith in his son, Jesus. Look, today, his arms are open. The invitation is there. Jesus has already died. He's already resurrected. He's already paid for your sin. You just have to give your life to him. He'll save you. And, and the sovereign God that wants nothing but good for you will be on your side. And there's no, other, no better place for you to be. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you. Father, we love you. We praise you. Father, we just, as we read this in, in Daniel chapter 6, we see not just one story, but a culmination of Daniel's life and how you've put him in a place to thrive. You've put him in a difficult place to glorify you and to make a difference in your kingdom. Father, help us to um, have integrity in our lives. We may not like where we're at. We may not like the people around us. We may not like our situation. But Father, help us to have integrity and to know that that brings you glory, but also people will notice that and how we react in difficult situations. Father, help us to put you first in our lives. Father, forgive us for those times when we go through and we just take you off your, your throne and we fail to be obedient to you and faithful to you. Father, help us to, especially during difficult times, to seek you first and to seek your kingdom first. Father, help us to give you the hard stuff in our life, the stuff that drives us crazy, the stuff that we've tried to fix, the problems we've tried to solve and have been unsuccessful. Help us just to love you and to be faithful to you and trust in you to handle that. And Father, may we be a light in a dark place, just like a lighthouse in a storm. Father, it's my prayer that um, those of us that know you as our Savior would be a beacon of hope for all those around us and all those that know us, all for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.